With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. Cats at night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. In studio, we have Dr. Peter Mikulos, Judge Weinberg, John Katzmatidis, and myself, Lydia Serrani. On the line with us right now, we have Zach Williams, a New York Post reporter covering Albany. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Zach, it's Zach, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. I want to talk to you about uh, this assembly member elect from Manhattan, Chang, who's a Republican, and now there are stories out there that the Democrats— He won in Brooklyn. Okay. He won handedly. He won, he won in Brooklyn. They say he's from Manhattan. 47. Right. And he's duly elected. If there's to be a challenge to his residency, they should have done it earlier. And now they're talking about not seating him. What are you hearing about that? Well, the Democrats claim that they had no idea about his residency issues until after the election and are now have a hearing planned of the Assembly Judiciary Committee on the 19th. Where they will cons- say, where they say they will consider the evidence and decide whether or not to um, suggest to the full assembly chamber to vote whether or not Lester Chang should be seated in the assembly next year. Now, legal experts say that the legislature, like Congress to some degree, has um, a pretty good amount of leeway to decide who can or cannot serve in its chamber. You know, a century ago, there were five socialists elected, and uh, they were the last people actually that the assembly ever voted to um, throw out. Now, we'll see what happens with Chang. You know, the assembly speaker, Hasty, earlier this week, while speaking to reporters, noted that they just have not seen evidence that they claim would sufficiently show that Chang lived in Kings County over the past year before he scored that huge upset victory against longtime Democratic assemblyman Peter Abate Jr., now, Chang, Chang's attorney actually is holding a press conference tomorrow in Brooklyn where they say they're going to present some evidence. And I guess we'll just have to see where it goes from there. But, you know, the one important thing I think that um, should be noted is normally uh, members of the legislature have to live in their districts. But because it's a redistricting year, Chang only needed to live in the county. So that gives him a, a, a lot more leeway because, of course, he does not – he has never claimed actually to live within the district boundaries themselves. You know, it was hard to know, of course, when you're planning to run how they eventually would look in this topsy-turvy redistricting year. Um, but um, because he actually lives in Midwood, which is slightly outside the district boundaries. But long story short, it surely looks like the Democrats are going to vote to boot him from the assembly before he takes a seat. And then we're just going to have to see where the courts land on this one. Might and, even go all the way to the Court of Appeals. And even if it turns out that they're vindicated, they have a legislative right to not seat him. The only thing that's going to happen is the governor's going to call a special election. Well, that could get really interesting really fast. Um, Lester Chang could run in that special election. So could Peter Peter Abate Jr., or there could be other candidates. Or the governor, like governors past, like perhaps Andrew Cuomo, 
could sit on it for months and months um, and not call a special election. You know, it's um, we're really getting into some some um, untread waters here, because like I said, you know, other than Red Scare votes a uh, hundred years ago, the legislature has never taken this step, no matter the concerns about someone's residency. And, and talk to us, um, Zach Williams. Again, you are the New York Post reporter covering Albany regarding the legislative uh, pay raises. And then my second question, the MTA, uh, Governor Hochul, she did a groundbreaking today, Morris Park section of the Bronx. Uh, tell us all about it, because, you know, we hear about the shortfalls with the MTA, that they want to raise the fare. I mean, that's and, and meanwhile, nobody's paying the fare. <laughs> well, there's a lot going on. I heard some really interesting from uh, someone smarter than me yesterday, which was after the election is when the real news breaks. And we're definitely seeing it this December. Um, so much has been going on. And that includes this last minute suggestion that Albany lawmakers might want to come back before the end of the year to approve a pay raise. Now, if they don't do it by the end of the year, they would not be able to get any pay raise until 2025 because um, state rules bar a legislature from from giving themselves a pay raise. If well, you will, while they're, now, in, while they're in that session, that's correct. Yeah, exactly. Now, the ironic twist to all of this is, you know, there's been um, much chatter from especially the political right or in recent months, um, you know, while Lee Zeldin was running for governor about having lawmakers come back to Albany for a special session devoted to rising crime. Now, Hochul and other Democrats, you know, batted away that suggestion, said they didn't want to do that. But, you know, it, but they say that, you know, and to be sure, Hasty, and um, sorry, Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty and State Senate Majority Leader uh, Andrew Stewart Cousins haven't said one way or another whether they definitively want anything to happen on this issue, which has just led to more speculation that they might come back no matter the political heat or the optics of, uh, you know, not doing it on bail, but coming back uh, to give themselves a pay raise. Now, you also mentioned the the um, press conference held earlier today by Governor Kathy Hochul, of course, and uh, U, uh, Senate Majority Leader Ch- Chuck Schumer, where they touted progress on the Penn Station Access Project, shoveled a little bit of dirt, proclaimed uh, the groundbreaking for four new stations, um, beginning with one in Parkchester that would allow people to people in Westchester and the Bronx to come to Penn Station via tracks that are currently controlled by Amtrak. And for many years, Amtrak would not share them with the Metro North, controlled by the MTA, which precluded, um, you know, a lot of people gain a one-seat ride into Penn Station. That Now, the funny thing about these things is you have a press conference, you get really excited, right? You're like, wow, you know, that's pretty cool. I hate train tra- transfers, and I assume most people do. The, the catch is this isn't going to finally happen until 2027. And the MTA, segueing into uh, your, your last comment there, you know, is it's going to take years to get this project done. Um, there is a lot of funding on the table through through the federal government infrastructure bill, which Schumer noted. But, you know, a lot of people are really wondering if the long term stability of the MTA is a given. Despite billions and billions and billions of dollars of federal stimulus funding, it remains to be seen whether they can get a handle on these huge capital costs um, and the pandemic driven uh, deficit, if you will. Um, and get their house in order. And a lot of people are asking questions about whether, you know, is it worth um, throwing more money at them by allowing them to raise fares unless they can get, you know, some of these rising costs under control um, by maybe uh, running things a little bit tighter. What what a mess, right? That's what what a mess. And to to reiterate for our listening audience, 
Albany legislators are contemplating coming back for an emergency session to give themselves raises, but they've nixed the idea of coming back to uh, address the, the rising crime that is plaguing our city. You know, in Albany, there's, uh, I think, as David Patterson once noted, there are there are gravitational forces that don't exist on other planets. <laughs> and uh, so we're just going to have to see how it bends this way, one way or another. So we see what their priorities are, right? Right, Judge Weinberg? Absolutely. John, what do you think about that, that they don't want to have an emergency session to address bail reform, I, I to address the crime, I, I but they want they, to raise their salaries? I think their they've salaries. done enough damage in Albany already in and the people are starting to get mad as hell with what's going on in Albany. Yeah, they are. I'm mad as hell, and I don't even. I'm not even in Albany. Uh, I was mad <laughs> as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. <laughs> but of oh. course, the big news of the week was certainly um, the scandal engulfing uh, Attorney General um, Tish James. Tell us about it. <laughs> well, it, it came out very late last week. Um, these outstanding sexual harassment, well, uh, sexual harassment allegations against her now former chief of staff, Ibrahim Khan, who, um, as the New York Times reported earlier this week, reportedly um, grabbed a former employee of the attorney general, forcibly kissed her in late 2021. And somehow we only learned about it until December of this year. Now, there was recently election and, you know, given that the attorney general knew about this by early October, which is when she hired an outside law firm to launch a, you know, HR investigation, if you will, a lot of people are wondering why, oh, why would she have sat on this news for weeks and weeks ahead of the election? Well, some people say maybe it was for political advantage. Now, the attorney general, for, for her part, says she followed the book on this. She hired, you know, this was someone that was close. She obviously could not. Um, investigate him herself. And normally, some you know, a lot of experts say you would charge a chief of staff with overseeing an investigation. Well, you can't do that when they're the one that's the target. Long story short, she says she followed the book, hired an outside law firm. They concluded um, and substantiated allegations from at least one woman. And he ended up resigning, presumably because he was going to get fired. Now, the but the funny thing is, you know, we all remember that she investigated uh, Ex-Governor Andrew Cuomo in 2021 and issued that, that huge report um, detailing allegations you know, from 11 women and said that she believed them. Yet, uh, gosh, so many things going on, right? Just you know, earlier this week, one of the women finally came forward after days of you know, the scandal has grown more and more and said that the attorney general, at least in her experience, seemed a lot more concerned about protecting Khan than, you know, protecting her and this other former employee of the attorney general. So, you know, the you think Albany that Democrats. Might, are, that might suggest a double standard, Zach? <laughs> some, some say. Now, it is important to note a few differences here. Now, Cuomo was an elected official and a referral was made to the attorney general's office. Now, in this case, Khan was an employee but and, you know, that does mean that she needs to investigate it as kind of a personnel matter. But that doesn't preclude her from referring the matter to um, law enforcement. And it really remains unclear whether the the attorney general or people working for her ever encouraged women to go to the police on this, like a lot of the acute Cuomo accusers eventually did against him. Interesting. Hmm. And, I, you know, one question has really been weighing on my mind when you compare, you know, this to um, the, the issue with Khan 
to um, all, you know, the litany of accusations that, that faced Cuomo. And I, I think it's important to remember, of course, it was Khan that was accused of sexual harassment, of course, not Tish Gaines. Um, but something to keep in mind is, you know, there was, you know, he had been accused before um, from a 2014 incident. You just have to ask, you know, to what extent did the attorney general know of any other troubling behavior by Khan? Well, she still has not quite said, uh, you know, answered that question, despite a, you know, a pretty spirited interview with um, Errol Lewis earlier this week where she defended how she handled all this. Well, thank you so much, uh, Zach Williams, for all your insight. And we look forward to talking to you again. Thank thank you you so much for having me. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.